the Physician's Road. Create your life in medicine on your own terms. Today, we are on the path of practice. Today, on the Physician's Road, we have Dr. Robert Philberg from NegotiationMD.com. We are talking about physician negotiation. We will cover effective strategies for each type of practice setting and why you must negotiate on each and every contract. The Physician's Road is brought to you by Vernonville Asset Management. Vernonville Asset Management was created to help physicians build wealth and create income beyond Wall Street. Through our exclusive private investments, doctors can begin to free themselves from the burdensome regulations in healthcare by creating income streams independent of medicine. Go to IncomeBeyondWallStreet.com to get your free report, Wall Street's Biggest Lie. Again, go to IncomeBeyondWallStreet.com to get Wall Street's Biggest Lie and free your today. Hello, everyone. Today on the Physician's Road, we're on the path of practice. Um, we're here with Dr. Robert Felberg. He has a very interesting niche. He helps physicians learn how to negotiate their salaries. And anyone who's out there in the world trying to uh, sell their wares, looking for jobs, the ability to negotiate effectively um, can be the difference between millions of dollars over the course of your career. And so we, we're, we're happy to have uh, Dr. Felberg on today, um, and he's going to tell us a little bit about himself and his company, and we'll get right into the interview. So, Dr. Felberg, please tell us tell us about yourself. Well, great. Well, thank you, Eric, uh, for inviting me to be here. I'm Robert Felberg. I'm the CEO of Negotiation MD. I'm also a neurologist. I've been practicing for about 20 years. Uh, I do critical care neurology and stroke, uh, and I came by this uh, company basically because I saw a need amongst my students. I'm an educator. I train residents, fellows, and medical students. And over the years, I've seen they've been having a lot of trouble getting their financial house in order. Of course, a lot of this is figuring out your finances. And there's a lot of great websites out there and great resources for figuring out your finances, but very little uh, looking into negotiation and physician development where I saw a real need. Perfect. And so from that standpoint, how did you go about tackling uh, the problem that you saw in the market? Well, I'll tell you, you know, when I first started having to negotiate for myself, I realized there really wasn't much information out there for physicians. It's not like you can go to college and get your MBA in physician negotiation. Uh, You basically can go the law school route, which is basically teaching you how to confront others. And it's not a really good way to build your career with people you're going to be working with for 20 or so years. There's also a lot of books out there about how to bargain or horse trade. Uh, They don't take into account relationship either. Physicians have a unique need for our negotiations. We have to negotiate for ourselves nearly every day. Uh, Not only just for salary, but you know, your, your partner calls you up and needs you to take call for Christmas Uh, or you have to negotiate with a pharmaceutical company or uh, with a third-party payer, or even when you talk to the nurses or another physician uh, in the emergency room, you're negotiating every day. Uh, I basically started my studies about 20 years ago. Over time, through experimentation and study uh, and keeping in touch with groups like the Harvard uh, Project of Negotiation and the Caris Group, have developed a way that physicians can negotiate that is unique to our specialty. Okay, perfect. And so let's circle, we'll circle back around to the, the uniqueness um, in terms of being a physician and negotiating. So let's start, let's tackle the big question that many people I know have uh, about 
can they actually negotiate their salary? Um, is there, is, is that, is that real or is it kind of like a take it or leave it kind of contract like many insurance companies uh, give us? Well, that's an excellent question. And, and it's probably your single most important question. And the biggest mistake that physicians make is they do not believe they can negotiate. Everything is negotiable. And not only are you able to negotiate your compensation package, you will be expected to. If you go into your new job and you're dealing with your new boss, your chairperson, uh, the administration person, and they give you an offer and you don't negotiate and take the offer, they're going to just assume that you're the pushover, uh, that why, aren't, why isn't this person you know, doing what they're supposed to do, which is negotiate? They wonder where your skill set is. So the answer is yes, you can negotiate. Uh, you should negotiate. You're not going to ruin the relationship. You're not going to sour the deal. If you do this properly with respect and keep the relationship in the forefront, you'll be able to strengthen your commitment to the organization as well as getting a better deal for yourself. So what I'm hearing you say is that there, on the business side of medicine, there's an expectation that we as physicians will negotiate kind of on our own behalves. And in some ways, we can set a bad tone, would you say, at the outset of a relationship if we don't do that? Exactly. You know, there are three important skills that you're going to need to succeed in your medical career. Of course, you need your clinical skills. You'll also need to know how to handle your finances. And then you'll need your professional and business skills. And you'll be judged on this. So you do want to negotiate uh, in the beginning. It's going to start, set the right tone as to uh, the level of respect and expectations in the future. Okay. So let's do a little bit of a dive on that since we, we, we answered that fairly quickly. I guess the next question would be, and then we can go kind of into the different arenas. I won't say different benefit structure. We'll do that in, in a second. But why would a physician need to learn these particular skills going into the workplace? So you talked about it from the standpoint of from an expectation level of the employer, potentially. Um, you also talked about some just kind of interpersonal negotiations when it relates to colleagues and nursing staff and things of that nature. So why is why does this skill set need to be in a physician's tool, toolkit? So physicians are actually natural negotiators. Uh, we have a unique set of training and a unique set of skills that we can use to negotiate quite well. Uh, you know, we are very quick on our feet. We understand risk-benefit ratios. We understand multiple parties with multiple needs. We also understand that there are times when all of us can win. We see this all the time. The problem is, is that we also have some competing training. We're taught, number one, to sacrifice ourselves for others, right? The definition of a doctor is the guy that leaves, guy or girl, that leaves the building and leaves their house um, and leaves their family to go take care of somebody else's family, right? So we are trained to sacrifice. That's a, an inherent skill to all of us, an inherent trait to all physicians. The other thing is that we tend to make compromises to just to move forward. So if you have a family who wants to push on with care, even though you know it's futile, you'll often just defer to other people's desires. And the other thing about our training is that we are taught in a very strict bureaucracy, right? The chairperson is in charge and you never go against the chairperson. Uh, it's almost like being in the military uh, and you're sort of trained to always defer to the specialist or the senior person. That gives us trouble with negotiation. What I have found is that physicians can learn to negotiate very well, that they understand theory behind the 
negotiation. So if I can teach them the theory and the science of negotiation and then teach them the actual steps and the actual procedure as well as take them through a couple of examples uh, of, the, of a negotiation. I like to do realistic case scenarios that are based on medical uh, negotiations. And uh, it's sort of like doing ACLS where you learn the theory, you learn the practice, and then you do a couple codes. Uh, we take you through a couple codes of negotiation. We have you do three or four negotiations. And at the end of it, usually most physicians are excellent negotiators and it will help them uh, do their salary negotiation as well as any other negotiations that come up for them. Got it. So you're saying that from an experiential level, um, the, the process that you all use in your um, system uh, gives them different learning modalities. So not just to see one, do one, teach one, but also from the standpoint that they're actually going to be simulating one, which if you know the theory of the cone of learning, simulation is the second highest retention rate of um, learning behind actually doing the real thing, uh, right. I guess, live. So, okay, so that's great. And so let's talk about what types of benefits can be negotiated when it comes to um, employment. Okay. Well, that's a great question. Of course, everybody thinks about salary and salary is the big one that can be negotiated, but everything can be negotiated uh, and everything in your contract is up for negotiation. Usually the human resource person or the, or the physician that's negotiating with you has the ability to negotiate the various other benefits, but they will not bring that up unless you bring it up first. So I'll give you an example of some benefits that can be negotiated. Signing bonus, CME time, CME amount, starting time, Sometimes vacation time can be negotiated. Uh, the other things that can be negotiated are the number of full-time employees that can assist you. So for instance, if you need a nurse practitioner or two medical assistants, you can negotiate that as well. Uh, things that tend not to be as negotiable are student loan repayments. That has a lot to do with the way an organization is set up. Uh, but uh, certainly you can ask for student loan negotiations. Another thing that most physicians don't know is that you can negotiate a stipend before you start working. So if you know you're going to be working in, say, Cleveland, and you know you're going to practice uh, somewhere in a northern suburb, you can speak to the four or five practices in the northern suburb and negotiate a two to $4,000 per month stipend while you are a resident or a fellow that will support you while you do your training. Of course, in return, you're guaranteeing a certain number of years working with that group. But if you know you're going to be working with them anyway, it makes a lot of sense. Got it. Okay. And so that's the great information. There were some, some great nuggets in there that, that I, I had never even thought about in terms of um, what can be negotiated, especially from, from that, stip that early starting stipend um, standpoint and the FTEs. That's a, that's, that's a great nugget in there for, for our listeners. And so now let's break it down into some different types of entities that you have seen kind of over time in terms of different negotiation tactics. Well, we won't go into the tactics, but different styles of negotiation and things that can be negotiated. Let's just talk about kind of in a private, physician, private practice, physician-owned setting, what kind of wiggle room is, is, is in those types of settings? So usually when they come to you with a salary offer, it's going to be lower 
than what they're willing to pay. Uh, and in the private practice uh, arena, usually it's somewhere between 20 and 25% lower. The leverage or the ability to move things towards your goal, we call that leverage, in a private practice setting is multifold. The first is having a market value report that tells what other people are paying for your position in the region. Uh, the ability to have multiple offers because they are not only paying for you, they're paying for their competition to not have you. And that's a very valuable uh, thing to be able to bring to the table. Uh, other things that are important are skill sets and branding. So you want to be able to show that you have a skill set that will complement with them. One of the most important things you can do going into any negotiation is to not assume anything. So you may look at this practice and you may get the impression that they have five other people that are looking for this job, that they have all sorts of other opportunities, and you're just one cog in the wheel. What you don't see is that maybe one partner is ill and has to retire early. Maybe they uh, have a, a need to compete with a, a practice across town with a procedure that only you can do. Uh, maybe they need a person to cover a hospital that other people can't do because of location or, or practice. So you need to go in there with no assumptions, listen, watch, learn, see what they need, and then use that for your leverage. And that's something that we teach people how to do. Okay, perfect. And so let's move to the setting of kind of either private hospital or, or corporate owned type of practice, whether that's a very large physician group, we're talking, you know, hundreds of docs, kind of more in a corporate structure, or kind of a hospital system that's looking to employ a physician? What, what, what kind of leverage points, what, what things should someone be thinking about in negotiating that type of uh, employment situation? Okay, so a lot of physicians are now being employed by corporate practice, and it's a real change. It's not your classic structure that you may have been brought up in, where you have a physician leader who you have a direct reporting relationship to, and maybe a few people that are at the same level or beneath you, but it's a quite straightforward reporting characteristic or reporting package. What the corporate setting and employed physician deals with is what we call the matrix, meaning that all along the hospital system, you are intersecting, interacting with many different physicians and other groups, including nurses, radiology, uh, other systems. As you go into a corporate position interview and job negotiation, it's important to realize that those intersecting groups are just as important as the person that's hiring you. And so as you make your rounds in your interviews, you need to be sure that you get the support of those people. They will be more important overall than, than the, the primary person interviewing you in some ways. And if the primary person that interviews you or your chairperson that's interviewing you starts hearing from the director of radiology and the director of the emergency department and the director of you know, uh, nursing, that this is the person they want, that will give you tremendous leverage. And that leverage actually extends outside of the hospital. I actually had a physician who had a friend that was the um, president of the local board of commerce. And that president of the local board of commerce called the chairperson and said, we need this type of medical care in our community. So it extends beyond what you would think. So the first thing you want to, to leverage is these relationships. Uh, corporate structures tend to be a little more uh, structured and limited in what they can offer. 
Uh, they will have a range of salaries. And most of the time, if you want to get above 15% of the standard salary, it has to go to the board. And uh, so don't be surprised if you speak to your chairperson and you come to a, a number that is approaching 15% or more than the initial uh, presented compensation package, that the person will say, I'm, I want to move forward to the board. I can't promise you this. Signing bonus and moving bonus are very negotiable in a corporate practice. That is where you have the most, where you have the most room. Uh, but you can certainly negotiate quite a bit in a corporate practice, especially if you can start getting the support of the people you'll be working with. Uh, even if your chairperson has to go to the board, the, if your chairperson can go to the board and said everybody from radiology to, to um, physical therapy wants this person, we need to free up uh, the funds for it, it will go through. Okay, perfect. And so just to kind of recap that, um, a couple takeaway points that I heard you say that, that stuck out with me were, one, physicians need to begin to build networks in and around the areas where they think they want to work, or if they're changing jobs within the same city, that they're building community ties and community networks who can then be their advocate when they're going up to either change positions or renegotiate contracts, that, that having those community ties and being active in the community and creating um, and networking with, with people is important. The next thing kind of I, I heard you say is that there really are no quote unquote little people when it comes to the hospital. Um, you want to treat everyone with respect. You want to try to make sure that you have collegial, if not great relationships with all areas of the hospital in which you work. You know, I think physicians tend to get a bad rap about bad behavior, um, but your reputation within your system, uh, one, can precede you in a good or a bad way. And when it comes time to either renegotiate or that having advocates from within your, your hospital, your practice, who can advocate on your behalf for you as well, um, is beneficial. Yes. So I would warn physicians that if you're going into a corporate structure or an employee structure, you're not familiar with that, that title means less than influence. There are people who may not have a title like vice president or chairperson who can be very influential. And of course, if you treat everyone with respect, you will gain some of their influence as well. And that's the important point in leveraging your skill set and your career for future negotiation. Perfect. So let's talk about academic practices. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be a little bit of um, overlap with what you just said on the corporate side, mm -hmm. but are there any specific things in terms of the academic practices that you've seen uh, in your experience uh, that you can talk to, speak towards? Right. So the two things that work best in getting your and leveraging your compensation practice pack, package with a um, academic center are number one, first and foremost, putting the relationship forward. And by putting the relationship forward, this is something we discuss quite a bit uh, in the in our uh, with our clients. But it's saying things like. I'm committed to working with you to making this practice work, or I'm committed to working with you to finding a solution to our compensation package so we can build a great program together. It's that type of relationship building that's really key in uh, helping your compensation package and your negotiation. The other thing that works with academic centers is having alternative options. So if you have two or three other um, offers 
then you will be able to leverage those other offers. Now, if you are trying to leverage a private practice position with an academic position, they will never be able to meet that salary. Uh, but you will be able to use that to um, leverage a, a growth in salary. And that's, I think, an important thing to go in to, into your negotiation with options, what we call the best alternative to negotiated agreement, commonly referred to as BATNA. Oh, yes. Take, take me back to my business school days. Uh, the, <laughs> the good old BATNA. Okay, perfect. And let's talk about the VA. Do you have any um, specific experience with negotiating, helping people negotiate with, with the VA around, so the, the, around the country? Yeah, so the VA is a government organization. They really do not have much movement on their salaries. You can attempt to go in with a higher grade. So if you are a particular expert, uh, say for instance, you can do a new heart surgery or you have an expertise in some subspecialty, they may be able to bump up your grade with that. So your best option for negotiating with the VA is to work on your brand. You know, I am the neurology specialist who takes care of stroke and critical care. I will be able to take over the regional uh, stroke program and it's going to be something that you do not currently have and because of this extra training, I have a master's in public health or something that sets you apart that will allow you to build up a gr an extra grade. Uh, but because the uh, benefits package of the VA hospital is so excellent, a lot of times you are taking a lesser package in trade for the benefits package or the uh, the J-1 visa, uh, which a lot of people have to deal with. Okay, perfect. And are there any other types of practice environments? So I know there are FQHCs. Are there any other types of major practice environments that I didn't ask you about that you'd like to comment on? So I'll tell you what has always surprised me is that locum tenums can actually be negotiated. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised by that because you think it's a contract that's signed, but I've routinely been able to negotiate an extra 15 to 20% of any locums that I do. And they respond, this, I use the same techniques and the same style and it works very well. So keep that in mind uh, that almost any discussion of salary is negotiable, even ones that you don't think would be never assume anything. Perfect. So I guess I guess that big thing is your big takeaway is don't ever assume anything. Don't ever assume anything is stuck in stone, and that you know you won't know unless you ask. And the best way to ask is is in a collegial and nice way. Yeah. From an informational standpoint, I think we've gone through from a negotiation standpoint the different types and areas. I think we've gotten a good overview. Um, is there anything that I did not ask you for, for someone who is new for a physician who is new to negotiation? What is it that you would like to convey to them uh, right now um, in terms of just questions I didn't ask? Well, I would want to bring up two things. The first is that when you go for your interview, most of the time the negotiation will start. So you need to be thinking about the negotiation, have your market value report, have an idea of what your negotiation strategy is going to be. Sometime during the interview, somebody's going to ask you a question like, What's your current salary? Or what type of salary are you looking to make? And these are questions that are designed to set what we call an anchor or the beginning of negotiation. And if you aren't careful, if you say, well, gee, I'm making $100,000 now, well, that's what they're gonna offer you. They're gonna say, well, we were gonna pay this guy 250, but he's only making 100. I'm gonna offer him 120 
and we're going to keep it down around there, those type of numbers. So be careful not to negotiate yourself down before you even get to the table. The second thing that I think all physicians should be aware of is that by the time you get the contract, the negotiation is nearly over. So a lot of physicians are under the belief, and I would say it's a false belief, that what they do is they meet with somebody, they interview, they get a job offer, you get offered a salary, or you just say, we're going to send you a contract, you receive the contract, and then you go to an attorney and you let the attorney negotiate. Uh, the role of the attorney usually is to ensure that everything in the contract is fair and legal. They will negotiate for you, but I have to tell you, you're going to be much better off negotiating before the contract is written. You have to understand, the, your future chairperson has to go to the board and a committee, has to, pub, has to write the contract, has to run it by the lawyers. They've spent a lot of personal capital trying to build this contract. And the number that's on this contract is pretty much close to set. So you've lost an opportunity to negotiate if you wait until the contract occurs. Uh, and then having to bring an attorney in uh, and then trying to negotiate another number means that your, your future chairperson has to go back and do it all again. And they're not going to be necessarily happy to do that. So negotiate from the beginning. Uh, negotiate from the interview and before the contract is written and assume that once the contract is written, the actual numbers aren't going to be able to move all that much. So don't miss that opportunity. Perfect. And so just as a quick recap, just the points that stuck out to me on what you just said was one, number one, you need to go in prepared. You need to understand kind of what your market worth is on the front end when you're going in so that you're not blindsided by questions that could create an, an anchoring process um, for them to then try to negotiate off of. And then kind of number two is oftentimes getting a lawyer involved is happening at the back end once a contract contours have already been shaped. And so at that point, you're just, what I'm hearing you kind of say is that you're whittling kind of at the margins and not really being able to negotiate necessarily the heart of the matter once the contract has already been, been written. Would that be fair assessment be, of the two points? I think that'd be correct, especially the idea that you must go in and prepare. Uh, doing a contract is like anything else in life or business. The better prepared you are, the more likely you're going to succeed. Perfect. Okay. And so, because I think we talked about a couple of terms that physicians might not be um, aware of. Can you talk about the concept of anchoring when it comes to negotiation? Sure. So an anchor is the first number that's mentioned. And you would think that that has no real value. It's just a number. But time and time again in scientific study and economic study, the first number that's mentioned will be the number that everything else will go around. And so, for instance, if you go to look at a car and they tell you the car is $54,000, you're not going to come back with 17, even if the car is worth 17,000 because the anchor has been set at 53 or 54. The concept of the anchor is if you think of a boat, you know, a boat comes along and it drops an anchor and then that anchor is sitting in the water and the boat will spin around that anchor. So the anchor is where the rest of the negotiation will go, negotiation will go around. The, you know, your market value is your most important number. Your anchor or your counter offer is your second most important number. And if you don't have that well planned, you can get yourself in trouble very easily. Okay. Repeat that right there because that is gold. Repeat what you just said. Okay. So your first most important value is your market value. You need to know what you're worth before you can go into the negotiation. Uh, 
Uh, your second most important number is your anchor value or your anchor number and the counter offer that you're going to make. If you don't have the proper anchor or the proper counter number, you're going to be fighting uphill from the beginning of the negotiation. Perfect. And so kind of the last deep dive question we'll do, and then we'll, we'll get out of here and let you tell it, let you tell the world kind of how to contact you. You talked a little bit about the theory and science behind negotiation. And so from a philosophical standpoint with you and your company, can you expound on that a little bit, kind of how your philosophy around negotiation, how that, how you infuse that into your company and how, in how you work with clients? So as a neurologist, I'm fascinated by how the mind works. And it's really interesting that all people, all societies, all cultures negotiate, even children. You know, just the other day I had my, my daughter negotiated with me that she would go to bed if I read her two more pages. And so I agreed to it, and I read her two pages, and she said, no, Dad, two pages front and back. So she, she, uh, she got me on a detail. Uh, and, you know, so we all negotiate. So my idea behind this is, is that physicians are excellent in turning theory into practice. That's what we do every day. We learn that, you know, H. pylori causes ulcers. And once we learn that theory, we understand how we treat ulcers uh, and Learning the theory is important, and, I, and physicians who understand theory are going to be better negotiators. So I go in and teach you the theory of negotiation. As you go through the course, a lot of people tell me, wow, I saw this, but I never quite understand what it was or how it worked. I, now that you mention market value, it makes perfect sense. I need to know how much doctors get paid so I can go into the negotiation and not be treated unfairly. Or we talked about anchor. Well, now it makes sense why people always say, don't name the first number or don't, you know, don't split the difference. Uh, all these sort of things that you have learned over time, it starts to make sense once you, see the, once you see the theory behind it. And I also find that most neurologists are, I'm sorry, I also find that most physicians are really interested about the theory behind it and it excites them when they start thinking about all the things they can do. Uh, very often I get people who are very anxious or nervous nego at negotiating. And once they've learned the theory, we've practiced a few negotiations, uh, they get very excited and they uh, can't wait to try it out. Oh, absolutely. We, we, like to, we like to say in our, in, on the investing side of our world that, that knowledge decreases kind of anxiety and risk. And so the more knowledgeable you are about kind of whatever field you're working in, that anxiety and that risk level tends to go down. Problem is most of us are way too busy to try to figure this stuff out on our own. And so that's why we try to bring in experts like yourself who can kind of give a sh quick shortcut and give you kind of the, 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 the heart of the matter so that you can then become effective in your own life. And so t tell the Physician Road audience how they can get in contact with you um, in terms of your business. So this is your time to, to, to give, your, give a commercial for, for, for yourself and your business. Sure. So I, we have a website, www.negotiationmd.com. Uh, if you come to our website, you can sign up for our newsletter and, be, uh, and keep up with our new posts. We have a blog. We also have an online course that you can uh, sign up for. It's been uh, very well reviewed, and I think you'll enjoy it and learn uh, what you need to do to negotiate. It takes about four to six hours. Uh, to go through the course uh, since it's basically designed around a two-day framework. We also sell market value reports. So if you're going into your negotiation, you'll be able to learn what your salary should be as well as a range of salaries and other people in your region. We offer 
negotiation practice. Uh, so if you, as you go in, uh, we often give people one or two hours of negotiation practice where they come in, we go through step-by-step step how to negotiate, put the, put the uh, theory into practice. Uh, I like to go through about four negotiations. Uh, and the last one is me playing hardball. And it's actually kind of fun because people learn so quickly that they always impress me. Uh, and um, we also occasionally put on in-person seminars. Uh, we've been moving more to the uh, online course. Uh, but every once in a while, we offer that as well. Perfect. And so we're, I know you, you and I are talking about working on a, uh, a guide for people to get them, get kind of their feet wet. Can you give us a name of that guide? And then I will tell people where they can download it uh, in the future as well. Sure. So this is a report on the four most common mistakes that physicians make in negotiation. Uh, although I'm certainly happy to tell you how to do it right a lot of times, the secret is not making that mistake in the first place. Uh, and we're going to offer that to anybody who's interested. Perfect. And so we're going to put that, we're going to, we're going to put that on the website, negotiatemysalary.com. So www.negotiatemysalary.com. And so we want to thank Dr. Robert Thelberg um, from Negotiate MD for being on the Physician's Road uh, podcast today. Again, we're on the path of practice, and we will see you next time on The Physician's Road. Please remember to rate and review this podcast on iTunes. Five stars is best, of course, uh, so we can have more physicians find us and we can get this information out to the world. And you can always go to thephysiciansroad.com and under our resources sections, depending on the path that, that you're interested in, um, we, this is where all of these interviews live and where all the resources will also live. So thank you again for listening. And we'll see you next time on The Physician's Road. Thank you, Eric. It was a pleasure. Thank you. The Physician's Road is brought to you by Vernonville Asset Management. Vernonville Asset Management was created to help physicians build wealth and create income beyond Wall Street. Through our exclusive private investments, doctors can begin to free themselves from the burdensome regulations in healthcare by creating income streams independent of medicine. Go to IncomeBeyondWallStreet.com to get your free report, Wall Street's Biggest Lie. Again, go to IncomeBeyondWallStreet.com to get Wall Street's Biggest Lie and free yourself today. Thank you for listening to The Physician's Road, where you create your life in medicine on your own terms. Please go to thephysiciansroad.com and sign up for your free guides and resources.